Well, hello, and thank you for joining me today. I've got a very special guest, and we're going to be talking about how ancestral health and how being a modern hunter-gatherer may help you improve your health and, and really beat the, the scourge that is modern disease. Now, Dr. Gould, thank you so much for joining me today. This is a really interesting concept, you know, the, the rise of ancestral health and being a, a hunter-gatherer in our modern day um, Monday life is something that, you know, it, it's discussed now, but in the dental circle, you know, not so much. Right. Now, I'd love to hear your, the origins of how you came to this concept of um, ancestral health in a, with a dental perspective. Take us back to how you came right. to that. Right. Well, the first thing that people should understand is that humans evolved to be hunter-gatherers. That's really how our biology came into existence as animals on this planet, but we live in the modern world. So we really want to think about being a modern hunter-gatherer. And what that really entails is really paying attention to your surroundings, the food that you eat, the activities that you do, the radiation you're exposed to. And that's sort of the concept came up after, you know, a really many, many years of, of problems that I had. So I think that everyone really, when they understand something that happens to them, it's a very intense um, experience. And um, I have a history um, right from childhood of having chronic health issues. And my discovery of what was what had gone wrong with my health um, was really kind of a shocking experience. It took me back 80 years in time when I discovered another Canadian dentist. I'm a Canadian dentist by the name of Dr. Weston A. Price. And um, so about six years ago, I discovered that I um, had sleep apnea which is a, a very you know common syndrome that's happening. And that set me off on a journey um, that changed my perspective from a regular dentist or an allopathic dentist, um, classically trained, to looking at the whole body um, and looking really at root cause. We learn all these things in dental school, uh, how to treat different dental diseases, but we really were never truly shown the root cause of what, you know, where do these issues like dental decay, gum disease, and the lack of room for all of our wisdom teeth, crowding of teeth, where does that come from? And that's the journey that I, I went on on my own. And I did found, I found your work at some point uh, uh, in my journey. I came across your work and, and you know, I was very, extremely excited to see that someone like yourself had recognized where we sort of went off the path that we should be on as, as oral health doctors. Yeah, it, it's so interesting. You know, everyone's got their own kind of way into this, but like there's a lot of people kind of gravitating around this idea that we need to get back to our ancestral roots and that, you know, a lot of the things we suffer and our patients suffer are from this disconnection and this misunderstanding that we really do have, um, you know, a long-standing history of very, um, you know, very planned and cultured uh, traditions that are, that create a healthy human being. So it's really interesting you know, how you've kind of melded all that into your, your career story. Right. Tell, us about your, tell us about your personal health story. What was it that, how, that led you into thinking this way? Because I often find with practitioners, there's this personal way that they've experienced um, either conditions or, or, or whether it's a family member. What was it for you? Well, you know, um, the, the, the change that really happened in my life. So I, I'm, I was one of those kids that had terrible dental decay. Um, I had a lot of health issues as a child. I had allergies. Um, I had my tonsils removed. I had a series of things that happened to me. And I recognized these same, same things in my patients. So to give you some perspective, um, this is my 31st year as a clinician, as a practicing dentist. I started my career in pediatrics and hospital dentistry back in Canada. And um, I'm a really good observer. And so what was happening to me, where it started to all click into place was I was always clenching and grinding my teeth from really my early 20s on. And I always wore a grinding guard. But about eight years ago, seven years ago, I started having issues with anxiety and depression, things that had never happened to me before. And I was clenching my teeth not only at night, like so many people do, but I was catching myself all day long with my teeth stuck together. Now, very classic approach to allopathic uh, dentistry is if you clench and grind your teeth, you're going to put in a grinding guard or a bruxism guard, which is very common. I'm pretty sure you do a lot of them in Australia because bruxism is, is everywhere. And something just wasn't right. And so as my health deteriorated, I really didn't know where to turn. None of my doctors you know, could put these different pieces of the puzzle together. But by accident, I found out I had sleep apnea, which led me on a road to discover vitamin D 
and then subsequently vitamin K2 and Weston Price. And I was, I'm really a poster child for all of the things that can go wrong when a human animal is disconnected from their natural habitat. And what I sort of want to make clear is that when you look around you, we feel comfortable in this world. These walls, this lighting, my clothing, and the lives that we live seems normal to us, but they're really not normal. Humans didn't live like this for 99.9% .9 of our evolutionary um, existence. And it's very recently that we've just moved into these really cages. And these, literally these cages um, that we live in, that we think are, of our, our home are comfortable, they're cutting us off from the elements of life, from air, earth, fire, and water, from the natural habitat of planet earth. And that's the environment that created our bodies. So I started to think about what had gone wrong with my health and how th there are so many things that went wrong. And when I discovered really back to Weston Price, um, I think the most profound experience I had is when I opened up that book. He wrote a book called Nutrition and Physical Degeneration. To anyone who hasn't seen that book, it has photographs taken 80 years ago of jaws and um, spatial structures. And a picture is worth a thousand words because once you see how quickly um, a human's jaw can deteriorate in one generation, this is not a, an issue of genetics. This is something that happens in one generation. And Weston Price is the modern father of epigenetics. And that means above genetics. So it's your environment. It's what are you doing to yourself that is causing these problems? So I had to look back on my life and say, well, how did I turn into the sick person? I was born and raised in central Canada in a very, very cold place. And I was pretty much right off the bat born vitamin D deficient. And I also, you know, I want to, I want to, um, you, you, the way you discuss ancestral health and, and having fat soluble vitamins, I want to give you some, you know, breakdown of what this looks like to the parents of children and to people in general to see what these symptoms are that maybe people brush off like clenching and grinding. Oh, it's not a big deal. I, I have a, a grinding guard, so I protect my, my teeth, but what's the root cause? Bruxism is coming from the brain. It's a neurological symptom, and it's a symptom of something that we really need to start to pay attention to. So it was the combination of me going through this journey of figuring out my own health and then seeing the signs and symptoms of my own patients, seeing the broken teeth and the gum disease, people with diabetes, and starting to put these different conditions together and saying, wow, this is a progression of a disease, I'm calling it the modern epidemic because it's literally the disease of modern living and it's caused by more than one thing. It's caused by us being cut off from literally our natural habitat. We wouldn't need to, to be worried about an ancestral diet if we were still living as hunter-gatherers because there'd be no processed foods. Simple as that. Yeah, there's no question that, you know, as soon as we start to eat the modern diet, we start to, to get on this track to the this situation you're describing where we you know we're born into a world where we're just not as ad, you know adept to um our immune systems aren't as strong uh to deal with things we're more reactive to certain situations and um you know it, it's so common today and we've we've really lost track as to where that where that came from and how we get back so it's great to see how this kind of journey that you've got you've you come from and also to connecting to to western a price which was um you know very similar to 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 my story i, I want to hear about how you first opened that book and what were your thoughts as a modern clinician because it's not exactly it doesn't exactly fit into the template of right. what you were taught in dental school right? right so how did you process that and what was your kind of journey to um you know, to to because you talk about you know epigenetics in the early 1900s these things weren't talked about so it's really a, a very forward and backward kind of thinking with, with yeah. understanding price right yeah well it absolutely is so when i um when i discovered weston price and I, I i said to myself well how would i not have heard about this guy i went to dental school in canada 35 years ago a long time ago and weston price grew up not far up the highway from where I went to dental school. So it was a little disturbing to just think about that. I actually called my dental school, called to talk to the dean, say, hey, guys, like, you know, this is still information not being taught. So it's really fascinating. But, you know, through observation alone, Western Price was a very bright guy. And at a time, people need to understand that, um, you know, Western Price wasn't a perfect person because where where he um in those days, you know, 
Adolf Hitler was in Nazi Germany looking at epigenetics to euthanize people. This is a very dark time in our history. And this man was very forward thinking. He said, in exactly the same way that people are looking at the blue zones, everyone wants to know, well, why do people live to over 100? What's so special about a blue zone? Weston Price said something really smart. He said, my patient's teeth are terrible. I want to go somewhere where people have great teeth and natural dental health. And I want to evaluate what is it about that setting. And that's what he did. He took his wife and went on a journey around the world. And it was his observations of the different diets and the behaviors of the people that really put this together. So for me, I want you to understand that I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease at the age of 14. Now, I was one of those kids who was very sickly. I always had rashes, cold flus, all these different issues um, as a child. Um, it was really tough um, for me. And then at the age of 14, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. Now, Crohn's disease is an inflammatory bowel disease. It's very much on the increase these days. And this is an embarrassing, shameful bathroom disease. So at the age of 14, I was diagnosed with this. And I was told it was genetic. This is who you are. These are your genes. And there's nothing that you're going to be able to do. You're going to take these medications. And you're going to just, this is just the way it is. You, you for the luck of the draw, you got some bad luck. And I literally, literally lived my life that way, thinking that there wasn't really an alternative. And I did investigate over the years a different with different doctors, thinking, is there a new medication I want to try? And when I got to that point where I started to have anxiety and I was grinding my teeth, I still had full-blown Crohn's disease, but I was just dealing with my symptoms. I had created really elaborate life to hide the symptoms of my disease from everyone around me because it's embarrassing. And I had created this very strange life where I had my private bathroom issues, even so much so that in my office, I couldn't, I couldn't work at a dental office that didn't have a private bathroom because it was too intense for me. And this was, it was a very big issue for most of my life. Now, when I discovered I had sleep apnea, I came across a really fantastic neurologist by the name of Stasha Gomenak. And I think you may be familiar with her name. She was the first person who had ever heard the expression vitamin D, vitamin D deficient. I had never heard of this. And I became very interested in her work. And her discoveries were that sleep disorders were very much tied to vitamin D deficiency through the gut microbiome, which is a really, she's really the genius that put these pieces together. And it took me a long time to really get what she was talking about. So I went and got my first vitamin D test at the age of 48. It was 16 or 18 nanograms per milliliter um, uh, because... I had never been tested before. I had never taken a vitamin D supplement. I always wore sunscreen and I was being careful of the sun. I thought I ate, ate healthy. There's no vitamin D in a lot of food products. So when I started supplementing my vitamin D and at first, um, you know, I wasn't thinking about sun exposure. I wasn't thinking about ancestral health. I was just thinking I have sleep apnea. This woman has some important information and I'm going to start to raise my vitamin D level. And when I took my vitamin D level from under 20, to about 80, every single symptom I had, my bruxism, my anxiety, my depression, and most importantly, my Crohn's disease completely disappeared. Now, I was in complete shock. 34 years is a long time to be a sick person. And when I did the research, anyone listening, if you want to Google PubMed, PubMed is the medical research website that doctors use. I just typed in vitamin D, PubMed, and Crohn's disease and saw only a couple of studies, but real peer-reviewed scientific studies that took a group of people with Crohn's disease and raised their vitamin D level, and they had 95% success in reversing the disease. Now, when I went to my doctor with information, they could have cared less. It wasn't something they were, they weren't happy for me, but it was such a profound experience because I lived every day of my life with the bathroom. When you see those commercials where they're showing somebody from the inside of a porto potty, you know, they're, they're, they're showing you somebody's looking at the line for bathroom. That was me. That was my life. And I know a lot of people who don't have Crohn's disease still have bowel issues. They still have, um, you know, constipation or they have, you know, um, IBS. And these are all just in the spectrum of this disease process. I just so happened to have a very bad case of Crohn's disease. I was very lucky I didn't have surgery. I was only hospitalized once. So I was luckier than a lot of people. And I was really devastated because I had literally created a very specific life that was very controlled because I could not be out of my world because it was just too difficult. Too, 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 there was too much stress in just being a regular person. 
So once this happened and I started to do the research, I became very upset because Weston Price's information was about vitamin D3 and vitamin K2. Weston Price's information was about eating nose to tail. Um, how these things fit together is there's a couple of different things that make it more confusing, but modern diets are full of different toxins that lower your body's ability to activate vitamin D. So even if you are going in the sun or if you are supplementing vitamin D, if you eat that modern diet and you don't know what's in your food, your body's ability to activate and use the vitamin D is way down. And I um, ate cereal. Cereal was my food. Heart healthy grains are some of the most dangerous foods in the world. And cereal was, was really a staple of my life because I assumed it was healthy. I believed it. And so once you have that, that type of intense realization of what happened with my health and seeing the studies that supported it made me really become upset. And, and that's where I became, and you can see behind me, you see posters. And um, I saw what Weston Price did and his information never got to me. And it still isn't getting to 99.9% of dentists, never mind the general public, but dentists don't know this information, which is really tragic, a little bit scandalous. But I decided that I was going to, the buck stopped with me. I didn't want another child to go through what I went through for no good reason. To think of the 34 years I spent finding bathrooms, spending time in bathrooms, and just being a sick person, to know that it could disappear within less than three months. I know that I need to share and spread that message. And it's not just for sick people. This goes to the craniofacial growth and development, the face and jaw growth of your children. If you're listening to this, this information, it's so simple. It makes so much sense. It's kind of irrefutable. And what I want anyone listening to this who has a child to know is that I was one of those sick kids. You have a child in your life right now who may be suffering from the syndrome that I describe. I call it long face syndrome. Um, from mouth breathing during sleep and it's pediatric sleep apnea. This is such an easy thing to reverse. And I've really made it my life's work to try and share this information in a really meaningful way. Not just I'm a doctor, you should listen to me, but I wanted to do something a little different. I, I'm sort of more compelled to get this information out there at any cost. And that's why you're going to see me doing things that are more media driven and related. I love what you're doing. You are exactly what we need is that common sense, steady voice saying, look, everyone, this is what we should be doing and presenting it in such a good way. And then I'm, you know, I'm a different voice. I'm coming in saying, uh, I've been working on this for six years and I can't get many people to listen to me. So I want to go in under the radar and I want to create cartoons and I want to bring this into popular culture. And that's why I reached out to you with my Weston A. Price uh, dance and song. So it was the personal connection what happened to me, and then my experience as a clinician, looking at the people, and I'd see medical histories, and I'd see the same symptoms coming together. People with Crohn's disease, they also had sleep apnea. People who had cancer also had sleep apnea. So I saw this syndrome of all these sort of different symptoms that we see as clinicians on a daily basis. I saw them all come together and how they actually work. And I said to myself, I want to put this out there in a way that's going to make a difference Something like Weston Price did by putting photos in his book, which is very, very different at that time. That was really something unusual. He wanted the public to get it. He didn't want the information to be stopped and controlled by doctors. And that's what I want to do. I want to bring this information to the mainstream like you're doing. And I wanted to make it more fun because no one's going to do anything that's not fun. If it's if it's drudgery, if it's like, oh, I got to do this, that's no fun. So I wanted to change the message and the tone of the message to bring it together. And the recognition of the syndrome is key because when people see it, it's like there's a puzzle sitting right in front of you and you can't quite figure out what it is. I want to turn the light on that illuminates it so that you can see, wow, that's my health. That's what I can do for myself. I don't need doctors to tell me what to do. I want to own my own health. I want to take care of myself and I want to be educated and I want the right information the important and healthful information rather than what a big a message big pharma wants to sell you something. Some of those medications are important. They can save your life to a degree, but no one should be on medications for their whole life if they don't need to be. That's my that's my thought process. It's a lot of information yeah. there. Yeah, totally. There's a lot of information and it all pins into your, your personal journey, which is just fascinating. And, and yeah, I really want to kind of unpin a lot of that because I feel that there's a lot of um, there's a lot of synergy with what's happening 
like with people listening, but also to practitioners that are seeing patients like this. It's a very difficult um, interface with how we diagnose and how we understand the process. You you went through a, a very long and kind of convoluted way to um, to to connect uh, Western A. Price's work with a neurologist, you know, right that to your sleep disorder, and so that's kind of. Um, you know, the scientific process unpinning over 80 years and then you sitting there and, and um, going through PubMed and then drawing all the dots together and then actually applying it on yourself. That's, that's really fascinating. But it's its a very difficult leap, as you say, for 99% of the dentists that haven't heard of Western A. Price's work. And then I feel a lot of people just haven't really understood the implications of what he was showing. Uh, and that's what you're, what's really what you're showing is, is that this stuff is really important. It's applying to kids growing up today in our world who are suffering and that we can, you know, reverse this quite, you know, quite simply. So it's, it's yeah. such a fascinating story. Let's talk about the, your two diagnostic um, journeys. So you, you talked about Crohn's disease and sleep apnea and both were difficult um, diagnosis. You said you uh, accidentally got a diagnosis of sleep apnea. And then tell us about how your interface with doctors or what the advice was with how you would handle Crohn's disease um, in, a, in a conventional sense. Tell us about those two, um, those two experiences. Right. Well, I, I guess we'll start with, with the, the pediatric stuff. It's very interesting that, you know, so 30 years ago, um, I, when I first got sick, it's really, um, I, I went, you know, you become a victim. You get told that you're a sick person and now you've got to go into the hospital for a diagnostic. And that's going to be, um, in those days, it was a barium swallow or a barium enema. And being 14 is tough enough without having to think about those terms. But at that time, the diagnostics were not that modern. And I was told there was nothing wrong with me. So then I had a secondary um, opinion. One of my doctors said, well, you better take him to a psychiatrist because he's making this up. And, you know, I, I wasn't making anything up. So the new technology came out that was a colonoscopy that actually allowed them to see and make a diagnosis. But the whole experience is really, um, it's it's devastating, especially to a young person to be told that there's something wrong with you and that no matter what you do, you were born this way and there's nothing that you can do to change it, which, which is really harmful and, and it's wrong. And today, even today, um, you may, may have noticed I published an ebook on reversing Crohn's disease. And I did that um, mostly because I want to be able to sleep at night knowing that there's people out there, kids out there, just suffering for no reason. So I wanted to really break it down to make it easy for anyone to understand because when I did reach out to my professionals, they were really not open to it on any level. When you say vitamin anything, they shut down. And um, to be able to get somebody who I, you know, I respect, and I, I approached a lot of my um, dental specialists around here, nobody really got what I had to say. And it was, it was hard for me because these are some really educated, smart people, but they weren't seeing how it was fitting into their life. And I would tell my implant specialist, your failed implants, every time your implant fails, I can guarantee you that the vitamin D level is at the root cause. And this person is not having a vitamin K2 in their life. And so the bone is just not going to be able to maintain an implant. And, you know, my father had an implant that failed and I was wondering, well, what, what's, what goes wrong with that? So it's still even disheartening to me that I, I live in, in a very forward thinking area. My people, my specialists are really top notch people. They just haven't recognized just how deep at the root cause this goes to a profession that they've dedicated their life to. And I think it's really hard for anyone who doesn't physically experience those symptoms themselves to, to really know. So that was, you know, back in those days, I don't know how valuable it is to the, these days, but these days I know that when, when anyone has a GI problem, they go to a GI specialist and the doctors are doing those, those tests. They're not looking at the airway. They're not looking for tonsils. Um, everything is very disconnected. And, and so all the medical specialists are, you know, your, your I, I, uh, GI specialist. I had a kid who came in. It's, it's one of my favorite stories. He was 19 years old and he came in. Um, because he had to have his lower retainer removed because it was metal. He was getting an MRI. And I said, well, why are you getting an MRI? He said, well, they, they think that they're worried I might have cancer. I've had a lot of pain and I've got a lot of GI pain. And right away, I, I can see that he had a scalloped tongue. So I could see that there was an issue with his sleep. And when I looked at his airway, his tonsils were completely occluding his airway. And so first issue is this kid is extremely vitamin D deficient. And I said to him, you know, what's going on? I said, how's your sleep? And he said, oh, I, I can't sleep anymore. And so the sleep apnea syndrome came to mind, but his 
GI specialist was able to put his scope in past those tonsils to see his, his GI and he never got a referral to an ENT. So it's a very disconnected state of things. And it's not the doctor's fault. This is the way that medicine has developed in this country and a lot of Westernized countries. When it came to the apnea part, to your listeners, I don't know. Um, people have heard of sleep apnea. It's a gross, unappealing disease. It's a punishment. It happens to obese people who don't care about themselves. That's such a damaging message. And, you know, when I first started to even ask my patients if they'd heard of sleep apnea, they would literally recoil in revulsion and say, I don't have that. And so when I started to get into this, I wasn't thinking about young, healthy people with sleep apnea. I wasn't thinking about myself. I never snored. I was heavy for a lot of my life, but in those recent years, I was more fit. And I was learning about how to do a sleep study at a convention. I did a sleep study myself. And in the morning, we brought down the studies to be reviewed. And I had apnea, pretty substantial apnea. And it was really, it was a surprise, but not a surprise. It was because I didn't understand the syndrome and there's so much disinformation and misinformation about what it is. Everyone thinks it's caused by a fat neck that crushes your airway. That obesity is a result of poor sleep over many, many years. And when you see that per that poor person who's got diabetes and heart disease and they're obese and they're wearing a CPAP, that's the end stage of the disease. This disease starts in childhood and youth. I have all kinds of kids who, if your child wets the bed, if they suck their thumb, if they have ADD, they're sleep deprived. I have had kids who have been snoring loudly and grinding their teeth stop snoring in as little as two days with vitamin D supplementation, which is really life-changing, especially for kids who do wet the bed. And um, thumb sucking is a really interesting one because everyone thinks that thumb sucking is a bad habit, but we do mandibular um, anterior devices. We do devices to hold the lower jaw forwards. That's a child putting their thumb in their mouth. They can't sleep without that thumb in there. You pull out the thumb and they'll start choking. So it's a completely different way to think about how we look at disease and, and what we gauge things on. Like, um, you know, one of the other things that was really harmful for me is that I didn't go through puberty till I was 17. And the reason is that I wasn't sleeping because I had severely low vitamin D and the syndrome really affects kids. If you have a child who's not developing, we see the dental age very easily. If you show me someone's x-rays, I can say that's a 10 year old, that's a 12 year old. So we're used to seeing that. But myself as a child, you know, um, never mind the Crohn's disease, how embarrassing that is to not go through puberty till 17. You grow when you sleep. If you don't sleep properly, you're going to have stunted growth. So hopefully if any parents are listening to this, understand that there's these really obvious symptoms that you haven't heard about. Most people talk about bruxism and what causes bruxism, especially in kids. It's low vitamin D and you can stop it immediately. Um, and we can talk further on that, but that's what I see as a clinician. So I don't know if that, that sort of answered the questions that you we were looking for. But uh, so the, the take home point is that I had no suspicion I had apnea. I was never told that I snored. I thought I was a great sleeper because I could fall asleep anywhere. And it turns out that's kind of a symptom of sleep deprivation is being able to fall asleep, especially in a chair that because you're sitting upright, your airway doesn't collapse. So when I realized that I had this, then I started looking at my patients and I was 48 Everyone from the age of 18 to 50, I could see these signs. Some were obvious, some were not. And a lot of the people I'd say, hey, I don't want to give you a hard time, but I see these signs of early sleep apnea. Do you think that you'd be interested in doing a sleep screening? And a lot of the times people would be like, yeah, I think I might have a problem. And there's a lot of like uh, almost shame with not sleeping, right? People are embarrassed. Like, oh, no, I'm fine. I just have a lot on my mind. Making an excuse for yourself. Sleep is a combination of behavior and biochemistry. You have to have both. It's a great point you bring up about the um, the shame associated with some of these conditions. You know, snoring. You know, people don't generally want to talk about it unless they're, they're pushed to it. Um, but also, you know, with, with a chronic digestive issue, that really affects your life. You know, you describe it so well. Put those two things together. And, you know, it's, it's quite concerning to think that there are many people out there suffering from, you know, a two-pronged disease that they're not getting any answers from on either end. And, and when you put it in, into the perspective of a child that's growing and developing with their system struggling like this, they're not getting the deep restful sleep that goes through the, the, all of the stages of sleep that release all the hormones like growth hormone. And then we don't develop a jaw that supports this, this airway and digestive system that creates a stable immune system. And then we have this really kind of inflamed system that becomes autoimmune to itself. It's, it's really quite tragic when you describe it like that. 
you know, for those trying to, because, you know, the, the disconnect we, you discussed um, with the medical practitioners, and this is how uh, med medical practitioners are trained. So it is how it is. It's no one's fault. But can you help resolve for some of the people out there that aren't understanding the connection between how the um, pathophysiology of sleep apnea connects to Crohn's disease? Can you help just draw us some of those connections there and how we pull that body together and understand, hey, these two things actually work, you know, more or less in tandem? Right. Well, again, that's sort of why, you know, I call, I call my, my book, The Modern Epidemic, it's a syndrome. And it looks different at different ages and stages. And ultimately, it's a broken gut microbiome that affects every part of your body. It affects your immune system. It affects your sleep. It affects your healing. It affects your mood, your emotion. And so it's kind of complex, but our gut microbiome is under attack, but there's really two big, big things of the issue. So I like to think of it this way is that, um, you know, we're in a symbiotic relationship with our gut microbiome and our, the DNA of our gut microbes, they outnumber our DNA a hundred to one. So we really rely on those microbes. So where it comes down to it is if you don't have the right ingredients in your body, you're not going to keep the right gut microbiome. If you don't have the right gut microbiome, you're not going to make enough serotonin. You're not going to make enough dopamine and probably countless thousands of other chemicals that we don't even know that much about because this is a very new part of medicine is understanding just how the combination of, of the gut microbiome is connected to the brain by the gut brain axis. And so very simply put, and then this is how I like to explain it. I know that you have a little different way, but for humans to have a healthy gut microbiome, they must have an evolutionary level of vitamin D. And I'm going to say that, um, you know, it's kind of variable, but I want it always over 40 or in um, I, Australia, you're, you're, um, you're in animals, right? That's right. In animals. Yeah. So it gets confusing with, with the different figures, but it's a much higher level than most people are walking around with. And understand that if your vitamin D level is low, it's because you're wearing clothing, you live in a northern climate, or and you're avoiding the sun, you're wearing sunscreen, all these different things. Without that evolutionary level of vitamin D in your body, it's going to be impossible to really keep and maintain that correct gut microbiome. Once the microbiome is gone, we lose so much because I think one of the key features is that you make your vitamins, especially your B vitamins, from your gut bacteria. Because, you know, we everyone thinks about we're talking about all this plant-based stuff. Everything's got to be plant-based. I got to eat the rainbow. I got to have all these veggies. There's so many thousands of years that humans didn't have access to any vegetables and we're in starvation mode, killing an animal only when they could. The way that a bear can hibernate is because the gut microbiome can make the vitamins that we need to use on a regular basis. So once we lose the gut microbiome, we lose all of the protective elements of how our body was designed. And it ultimately comes down to the production of energy in the mitochondria. So now we've got these more scientific, you know, things coming out, but everything comes down to the amount of power you can generate. If you don't have enough power, you cannot be a healthy person. And that gut microbiome and the vitamins that you are producing through your own bacteria are all key players in keeping the mitochondria healthy on a second to second basis, producing energy. The whole reason we even breathe in oxygen is to produce energy in our mitochondria. So it's complex, but it all comes down to what we need to have. These bodies evolved a specific way. And if we don't put in those correct sensory inputs, the whole system malfunctions. Now the sleep thing is really important because that's our nightly regeneration tool. Once the sleep breaks down, then it's just a downward spiral of negative outcomes poor sleep, anxiety, hunger pangs, feeling like you need carbs, low vitamin D level sends a signal to the brain to, to crave carbs. You go out to restaurants and stores and that, all that's available is the least healthy food. And even people who think they're eating healthy by eating a lot of fruit, it's not necessarily healthy. Fruit to me is a treat. It's full of sugar and you know the fruit that we're eating is different than our ancestors' fruit. So you need to have your, your rest and regenerate every night to be able to be healthy. Once you lose high quality sleep, whatever's in your genetic background starts to make its way forward and people really break down in all kinds of ways. They're almost always tied to not proper sleep, wrong gut microbiome, and not enough energy coming from the mitochondria. That's sort of how it ties together. And I, I mean, I mean you know, 
created a whole makes, to put that. Yeah, totally. But it, it makes sense how cel cellular energy and the sleep dysfunction really can kind of flow on. And then we're talking about this, this gut microbiome messaging system going wrong to the immune system. Then we get Crohn's disease and, and it really is, like you say, a very, um, it's a very complex syndrome and people, um, they, they display it in different ways, you know, see it in patients completely different um, ways, but it's the same mechanism. And you're describing the fundamental building blocks of, of our machine, our, our, our life, right? Basement, so basement root level, yeah. <laughs> it's, that, it's, and it's, that's so, yeah. So I was going to say that. that that's where right. dental leads us. It leads us to this fundamental understanding of the body, and then we get we get the fundamentals right, and you can we can start laying these other these other um, you know aspects on top. It's it's, it's such great stuff, Doctor Gould. Um, I'm going to take a, a question from the audience because I think it's Please. it'll lead us into some more practical questions. Um, Tanya asks, uh, do you recommend people to get a blood test to determine their vitamin D level, and what do you think the number should be? All right. So I think that when I look at people's overall health and what is at the root cause of every disease that no one wants, cancer, heart disease, and dementia, vitamin D is in there. Vitamin D is at every level of your health. And I think it's the most important test. I want people to realize that when they go to their doctor and they get a cholesterol test, that the entire industry is designed around making billions of dollars on giving prescriptions to lower your cholesterol. So their focus is to get a diagnosis to sell something that's gonna um, make them money. I personally don't believe in that. However, I think that the vitamin D test is the single most important test that you can do because I think that if you dig deep, what you're gonna see, just what I saw, you're not gonna find people on this planet who have an initial diagnosis of cancer and have a very high vitamin D level. That doesn't exist. Those two conditions, cancer and high vitamin D, they don't go along together. Generally, what happens is someone finds out they have cancer and they later find out that they're very low on vitamin D. And it's not causal, but I believe that having a low vitamin D level allows cancer to develop. And that's what the science that I very clearly see shows. So the answer to your question is, I absolutely recommend a vitamin D test and definitely more than once. And I recommend people monitor and track your vitamin D. If you are a hunter-gatherer, living out in the woods, you wouldn't need to do that. But because you're a modern human, I absolutely agree that this should be tracked. I personally want my patients to have a level of 150 to 200 nanomoles. That is the sweet spot that I want. That's a 60 to 80 for US audiences. Um, and I want something that's over 100 is what makes me happy to see. Makes sense. And for, for many people, they'll get their readings back and, and tell, um, they'll be told that they're, they're actually in the um, the moderate range. And then some often they have to do their own tweaking. Yep. So, um, and uh, most of the audience, just to clarify, nanograms per milliliter is the yes. US uh, and then nanomoles per liter is the yes. um, Australian UK. Uh, and there's there's probably more of a, an audience in the US here, so we're fine to talk in nanograms. Okay, yeah. 60, your... 60 to 80 or 150 to 200. Those are the ideal. That's what I really like, personally. Dr. Gould, this, this topic keeps coming up. Um, Abdi asks, it, is it impossible to have a healthy microbiome consuming a whole food plant-based diet? Nothing is impossible. I think it's very difficult because... Um, there were no vegan or vegetarian hunter gatherers. They just didn't exist. It doesn't make any sense. Um, humans are not plant-based, we're animal-based. What made the leap between plants to animals is cholesterol. Cholesterol is a specific fat molecule that is really the, the glue that holds us together, that allowed us to be animals with flexibility, to be able to be disconnected from the earth and walk around. So I believe that even though we have this concept that plants are healthy and that eating a diet full of all these vegetables is really great, I think the evidence that I've seen is just not there to support that. I don't believe that anyone under the age of 21 should be on a vegetarian or vegan diet. I don't believe it's safe for healthy. I believe it's completely wrong. I understand the ideas of, you know, um, not wanting to eat animals, but this is evolution. This is what mother nature did for us. We became the top of the food chain specifically because we figured out how to eat these animals that are the closest match to us, initially by cracking open bones and having bone marrow. And our bodies use fat as fuel. We do not use 
Sugar is fuel. We can. That's not our fuel. Protein is not fuel for us. Your choice in your mitochondria is sugar or fat. I like to think of our bodies as a hybrid car and the electricity is fat and the gas is sugar. So you can drive around your hybrid all day long burning sugar, but it causes pollution and it's not good for the engine. You don't want that noise and, the, and everything. You want to be in electricity and that's what eating fat is. Burning fat is our primary fuel source because we store it. That's what your mitochondria wants. It wants organic grass-fed fat. Biggest problem with the vegetarian issues is that glyphosate and many other similar um, herbicides, pesticides are infected in our food. You can't smell them. You can't see it. You can't taste it. No one's testing for it. And some of the products that I've personally tested, some of the protein powders that allow somebody to be a vegetarian and not eat animal-based foods, these are highly infected with glyphosate. And glyphosate is an antibiotic. It will kill off your raw, the, the, the gut microbiome, it will be destroyed by glyphosate and it will selectively kill off the bacteria that you don't want dead. So I think that it's possible. I think it's much too difficult. And I think that if you, um, to, to be able to keep a healthy gut microbiome, it's possible, but it's unlikely. I think it's the amount of work that you'd have to do and the amount of research um, would be very, very difficult. I hope that answered the question. Yeah, it absolutely did. It's, it's a difficult one. Um, but the, you know, w going back to price, you know, he showed specifically that each culture made sure that they had these prized and animal raised foods and, and animal foods themselves because they contain fat soluble vitamins and you just don't get the fat soluble vitamins from um, anything but an animal uh, that raised on pasture and natural sunlight. It's, yeah, there's, there's no way around that one. And, and when, when, when we're talking about the physiology that runs the gut and the brain, it, it just, you know, you, you really have to consider, you know, how our body requires these nutrients. Yeah. Fascinating that, that, that Price noticed and all the different, you know, the, the, the different communities, they knew when they had um, young people who wanted to conceive, they knew to feed them those, those prized foods. Really, really cool. The, the collective, um, uh, you know, memory of the tribe is really, really incredible. It's a shame that we lost so much of that, you know, in the early 1930s. Well, it's still there. It's coming out so well in you. So, you know, there's hope yet, right? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Claudia asked, does vitamin D deficiency cause sleep apnea or sleep apnea cause vitamin D deficiency? What's your take on that? So that's a great question because both of things are true. I like to think of vitamin D as a metabolic hormone. And the reason is if you're extremely active and you're usually you're wearing up your, your body, you're going to create inflammation. Vitamin D is used up to allow you to make anti-inflammatory enzymes. So if you're under a great deal of stress, then you're gonna be using up more of your vitamin D. But in the old days, you would be out hunting during the day, presumably under sunlight. So if you're being more active, you're getting more vitamin D. Now, what I see is that vitamin D deficiency itself is the root cause or one of the root causes of sleep apnea. However, once you have sleep apnea, it will lower your vitamin D because you are essentially, when you have sleep apnea, you're stopping breathing and then your body is literally going into that fight or flight reaction when it should be resting and digesting. And if you have bad apnea, you are getting aroused over and over all night long. And that's like running a marathon at the exact time that you should be resting and regenerating. So it really uses up the vitamin D. I don't have a lot of um, definitive proof, but there was um, a study that they showed where when they had somebody wear a CPAP, their vitamin D level came up, which made sense to me because if you're not being chased by a tiger all night long um, and you'll be able to rest, then you're not going to utilize and use up all the chemicals that you're supposed to be making when you sleep. So uh, hopefully that answers that question. It's a bit of both. The, the interesting part is that the apnea syndrome is the easiest to reverse at the soonest stage. If a child has apnea, simple supplementation of vitamin D and K2 and magnesium alone can reverse it almost immediately. The longer you've had the syndrome, the harder it is to reverse. And I believe it's 100% reversible. It's just not easy. And there's a lot of factors that make it more difficult. So hopefully that answered that question. That was a great explanation. And, you know, as you said before, this is a complex syndrome and, you know, people uh, experience it in, in different ways. And especially sleep apnea where the um, the craniofacial uh, type and the, the way we breathe, you know, influences the types of um, apneas we get and the and then, then the syndromes that we experience. It, it makes total sense that there's different connections happening. Uh, 
Dr. Gould, uh, th- let's start to bring this as to into how you're seeing this and um, helping patients in, in your practice now. We're talking about kids and, and early intervention, which I just think is so important. Tell us about this presentation of kids with this syndrome that you're seeing in your practice. What are parents experiencing seeing and how are you going about helping them with it? Right. Well, so the syndrome um, looks different at different ages and stages, and that's literally why I created the victims of the epidemic. And these are caricatures that I created with one of my patients who's an artist to show you what this syndrome looks like at different ages and stages. And the symptoms are different. So the book that you see behind me, it's available for free for download from my website at modernhuntergathers.com. And you can scroll through the different victims and something's going to jump out at you. So when we look at kids, they're going to present with these symptoms, swollen tonsils, multiple colds and flus, bruxism, clenching and grinding or snoring, poor sleep, ADHD, warts, viral infections, um, and, and delayed growth. So those are the classic presentations of, um, I call I call that pediatrician's blight. That's my caricature. And when we see those kids, something as simple as giving them vitamin D supplements, changing their diet, giving them more of a whole foods diet. Um, and um, it can profoundly change them. And they get, basically, I call them transformation stories. So pediatrician's blight changes to pediatrician's delight. And so these are the kids that are always going in to the, to the pediatrician, they're always having colds and flus, um, uh, Kawasaki syndrome, um, all these weird things that happens to kids. Most of it comes down to this specific thing. Um, and then also the kids who have decay, um, a lot of dental crowding, or who have a tongue thrust swallow, who if you ask your child to swallow, they have to close their lips. If you try and, and stop them, they, they can't. They have to have close, their tongue has to go forward to close their airway to swallow. So, um, and those are the kids with delayed dental, um, delayed dental growth, and then the kids who need to go to the orthodontist age six or seven to widen the palate, the very high narrow palate. Those are those are the classic symptoms. And then um, the next stage stage up is going to be t- I have terrible teen transforms to terrific teen. That's going to be acne. It's going to be um, uh, insomnia, poor sleep. Um, all the things that the, the kids get to that 13, 14, they get to be really kind of um, uh, uh, unmanageable. Um, and, you know, that's how it plays out at those ages. So, um, you know, anyone can check check that out. See, just it looks different at different ages and stages. And hopefully that made sense. So definitely childhood bruxism, a lot of decay um, and sleep issues. It's great that you've... Um that you've characterized it like that because, you know, as you say, really kind of hits people in a certain way when they say, hang on, this is my child. This is exactly their life. And so yeah, putting it together for parents like that really can be um, very powerful. So we'll, we'll, um, we'll bring that up right at the end too. Sure. Um, Christina asks, uh, what supplementation of vitamin D uh, would be possible to reduce enlarged tonsils to avoid surgery? Do you think that surgery plays a role? What's your, what's your take on that? So tonsil size is inversely proportional to vitamin D status. I have three studies that show that. So what that means is that the lower the vitamin D, the bigger the tonsils. Now, if you have a child who has very large tonsils and you supplement their vitamin D to an evolutionary level, to 100 at least, maybe 150, we see resolution all the time. One of my dental assistants was told she needed surgery. Her daughter needed surgery. She was 13 never had a vitamin D test, never had a supplement. We supplemented her. We didn't actually even get a level. I just told her what dose to take. And we, I said, give it three months and the tonsils resolved and she never needed to have surgery. Sometimes past a certain point, no vitamin D is going to help. There's always, um, you know, the, the cases that are going to require surgery. Um, but I wouldn't do surgery on a child unless they have that higher vitamin D level, because even the post-op the healing, the surgical experience, you want your child's vitamin D level to be high because it regulates the immune system. You don't want your child going into a hospital with low vitamin D. Um, hospital infections are real, and the people who get them are the people with a low vitamin D. Those are the superbugs. Those are the people who are affected. So the answer to the question is it depends on the age, depends on the level, but before I would do any surgery, I consider any surgery like a tonsillectomy, I hate to say this, but I, I consider it mutilation. And we can do it. Sometimes people need surgery. They have a deviated septum. They can't breathe through their nose. Going to have to have surgery. They have turbinates that are just not letting air through. They have to have surgery. But 
I want to run down the natural opportunities that I have before I'm going to go to anything that's, that's, you know, tonsillar tissue is important. I don't want to remove it if I don't have to. So I would definitely try three months at a level of over a hundred, preferably 150 to see if they resolve. And you may have a hard time finding a doctor who wants to go along with that, but you know, everyone should have a choice. At least the information should be out there. Don't hesitate to test your child uh, vitamin D more frequently here in the U S we have at home testing, you can puncture and send in a blood spot so you can get your child's level. Um, we've done it with patients where they'll take their child and, and put, get their toe and get a blood spot and send it in because, you know, we don't want to take blood from kids. It's kind of, you know, it's not something that we do on a regular basis. Um, it, it's not easy. So, you know, hopefully that that's uh, useful information. Absolutely. And the, um, the, the point about, uh, building up your vitamin D levels before going in for a surgery is, is so poignant because as you say, you know, we're starting to interface this with implant surgery, you know, that better quality bone comes from people with better um, source of nutrients within their own system. So it makes total sense that if, if you do have to go through a surgery that you should be thinking about building up your own resistance because, you know, your body has to go through a healing process. So that's a great point that I, I haven't heard anyone bring up before. Dr. Gulora asked, what supplements do you recommend for children? Mine, of course. No, um, I, I've been I've been in development. So I have um, at this point in time, um, there's a couple of companies that make chewable D3K2. Something that I've been trying to develop is a line of sugar-free chewable vitamins because I'm a dentist. Um, but at this point in time, you can always um, just take either the vitamin D, um, the little... Um, the the little uh, you can puncture them and put them into your children's milk or juice um with k2 as well so you may have to do this at home here we have nordic naturals is the only company that has a d3k2 gummy and i think it's 2000 iu uh with 90 uh, micrograms of k2 which i think is a great supplement and that's the one that i recommend i have a product that i'm trying to get out there it's called soul candy it's vitamin d3 vitamin k2 magnesium with mct oil and um, prebiotics, that's a chewable, sugar-free chocolate candy. I'm really trying to get that product out there because there really aren't a lot of good options. Um, you know, everyone's talking about intermittent fasting and, and time-restricted feeding, and you never want to starve your child. I developed a chocolate candy that will keep you full for a while. So rather than having cereal um, or some processed carbohydrates, that you could have this type of chocolate. And so hopefully I'll get it out there, but there aren't really a lot of good ones. Um, so you can just slip it into your kid's food in that way. Um, I'm not sure if there's anything available in Australia. I haven't seen that. A, a great point too, in terms of um, these nutrients are absorbed with fat, so they should always be coupled with fat. So, um, you know, finding a supplement or um, you know yours when it's when it's ready. Hopefully, so yeah. It. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like these. It, look, there's, there's lots out there. Um, yeah, and obviously people have to you know work with their physician and um, with their own individual needs too. Dr. Gould, you're working on a lot of projects to help this information get out there what are some of the the most powerful tools you've found or you know or how do you see this you know panning out this is a big problem we've discussed you know it talks about how our um how our species really has gone down um, a few notches since uh since when west Nate price was walking the globe right. how do you feel that we start to fix this and you know you've done a lot of work to 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 get this message out there what are the things that you feel that, that parents and you know even you know people like uh, yourself that are suffering from these problems can do to to really change this? It's a tough one. So you have to understand. So I, I really examined, you know, when I started, you know, to me, when I saw this whole syndrome, it was very obvious to me. I really tried to convince some people. And, you know, no one really has an extra space, especially with COVID or after COVID, has an extra space in their life to do things that are, that are going to be difficult. So I wanted to, I went back to, um, what did Weston Price do that really would have been successful today? Putting pictures in his book. What's the next step? So what I wanted to do was bring in the modern media. So I'm focused on bringing this information to the general public in a fun and memorable way. So I created these iconic cartoon characters you see behind me. One of my, um, I'm, I've got a 90 minute movie called Enzymes, the Worker Bees of Biology. Imagine finding Nemo, except with fish, instead of fish, it's enzymes, because people have heard of enzymes and they kind of know maybe what it is, but I'm trying to put uh, a memorable face 
and a way to remember your health. So I've got my character behind me is Marty mitochondria. And that's your mitochondria. That's how your body generates um, electricity or energy, human electricity. And my characters sing and dance. And I want to bring this into popular culture because right now brings me to what to, you know, how I contacted you is that what is popular is what's on TikTok. What is popular is what sells. Kids want to buy toys and different things that are going to be the most exciting to them. And I looked at, I examined the kids market and watched the cartoons and, and it's terrible because people are creating a toy and then they're making up a cartoon to sell the toy. And I said to myself that what I remember as a kid was Schoolhouse Rock. I don't know if you guys had Schoolhouse Rock in Australia. Does anyone listen to this in the U.S. or Canada? This is taking any idea and making it into a song, a dance, or something fun so it becomes memorable and become can become ingrained in society. So I took, um, I looked at what was going on. And what's kind of interesting is that we have our popular culture, our celebrities. And so Cardi B is somebody that everyone knows, or I didn't really, I, I was not a big Cardi B fan. I didn't know what her work was, but kids are all doing this, this WAP song, WAP dance. And, and one of my patients came to me and said, my 11 year old is singing the words to the WAP song. And I'd never heard of it. And when I saw it, I was just mortified. And I said to myself, this is an opportunity to substitute. And WAP Weston A. Price came into my mind and I said, you know, we can make a play on this and take something that's that's embarrassing and not appropriate for children. And let's take something that can be fun. So that's why I did a song and a dance so it can be on TikTok. And that's why I actually, no, no pressure, because I know you've got a lot going on in your personal life, but I challenge you to do the WAP dance as the Weston A. Price dance, not the other one. Because whether you wanted to know it or not, kids, 11, 10, 11 year olds are, are seeing this. I wanted to give them an alternate narrative. I wanted to give them something more fun. My um, One of my associate dentist's kids was so excited about finding Nemo and all this stuff. And I brought her pictures of my enzymes and my different cartoon characters. And she fell in love with them just exactly in the same way, except that rather than just doing nothing, these cartoon characters, they tell a story. You're going to hear Kathy Cholesterol sing her song, I've Got Your Back. It's a love song from the molecule of cholesterol to you as a person to let you understand that cholesterol isn't your enemy. It's one of your best friends. So the only way to, you know, I can say this, excuse me, you should be eating more red meat and having higher cholesterol. People would be like, you're crazy. You, you, my doctor's telling me the opposite. I want to hear three, five, seven years from now, kids say, when I heard Kathy Cholesterol sing, I got your back, I fell in love with her because she reminded me of me. I want to go to children and get them early so they can understand and be excited about science and be excited about the physical world around us um, and how our bodies work. Because it's really no different. Kids learn and memorize video games the most useless information. Let's put this stuff out there that's more interesting, that's more informative. And I included all my cartoons to be both adult-friendly and child-friendly because the adults are going to learn from the children and vice versa. And my caricatures and my cartoons, they're not meant for kids. They're meant for everyone. Um, you know, uh, the way I used to watch um, The Roadrunner um, and The Coyote, and if you're a kid, it's a good show for you. If you're an adult, it's a very tongue-in-cheek humor. And that's what I really wanted to create. I really wanted to be able to bring this, just such obvious information out into popular culture. And that's what you're going to find when you look into my work. I've got a lot of, my book that's that's available, is just a preview for all my other stuff. I want to make this part of culture and make it fun. Not like, oh, we got to learn science. I don't care. I want people to be singing the songs. Character behind me, or this side, is Deuterium. No one knows what deuterium is. It's a stable hydrogen isotope. But when you hear deuterium sing his song, um, it's called Deplete Me. And I want people to be singing the words and humming the tune before they really get what the science means. And it's being a bit tricky. I'm being a bit subversive here. But my intentions are good. I want to take what Weston Price did by putting his photographs in that book and kick it up to 2021 and the way we live now. The world's a different place. Got to get information out in a completely different way. You know, Dr. Gould, it's, it's so true that people are visual learners, especially children. So, you know, it, it's great that you've, you've kind of gone down this road to, to help people digest. You know, this is complex information. You know, we went through at the start of this um, interview, you know, how complex these systems are. But we're trying to get it to a very, very simple level. And I think uh, are these um, books and, and education 
uh, tools? Are they things that you developed that you helped in your practice? Like, do you, did you find this helped with your patients and that's how you've gone on the road to, to publishing these tools? Well, so sort of yes and no. So I collaborated with artists uh, and musicians to create these because I wanted to infuse the science into the character. So I met with my artists and I, I explained the personality of the different characters and what they would be like. And he was able to create these really iconic images that tell more of a story. So when you actually delve into, you see Marty mitochondria has got a lightning bolt on him. But when you look deeper, there's little round things and those are the nanomotors. Those are the little spinning rotors that creates ATP or mother nature's electricity in our body. And so I wanted to really infuse the science into them. And my video game is called Deuterium Depletion. It's where all my cartoon characters go to battle in your mitochondria at the electron transport chain in the inner mitochondrial matrix. So this is the matrix. The matrix is real. It's not a movie. It's going on inside your body, your mitochondria. So I wanted to really infuse this. I've been a dentist for 31 years. I want to spend the next 30 years of my life sharing this information and, and letting children be excited about science. So when kids play a video game, they learn all the different rules. In this case, they'll be learning the different characters' powers. So they're going to be learning science by just playing the video games. The character is sod, superoxide, dismutase. Um, Enos is my main lead character. It's endothelial nitric oxide synthase. When your six or five-year-old starts to talk like that, it's going to scare people, but this is a good thing because they're going to be able to learn this so that it's just natural to them. And so I created all this, not so much for my own practice, but I don't want a child to go through what I went through. My life was wasted 34 years of shame and pain literally for nothing. And it's my reason for living is to share this at such a higher level so that it can this information, it was hidden from me, it was hidden from you, and it's still being hidden from our medical professionals. I want to put this out there in a way so this information cannot be subverted or hidden ever again so that it becomes part of our regular language that we use. And I wanted people to say, you know, I've got my caricatures, angry man syndrome. Um, you know, I wanted someone to say my boss has Andrew angry man syndrome. So I have a, a, a bit off a pretty big chunk here. I want this information to, to take root so that it becomes part of popular culture. And the way I sort of think about it is we talked about, you know, being a modern hunter gatherer. My book is called the modern epidemic. What is the cure to the modern epidemic? It's called tribal life. It's emulating the behaviors of our ancestors without having to move back into the wild. So it's doing certain things. I have something called radiation rules, watching the sunrise, watching the sunset, being aware of your radiation around you. So it's really um, incorporating, taking our modern lives and trying to incorporate healthful things without having to, you know, do some, do things that are completely disruptive to your modern life. So it makes total, total sense. And, you know, I, I just want to thank you, Dr. Gould, for, you know, your, your journey and inquiring mind to unpin a lot of these things, because a, a lot of these, uh, these issues need, need a practitioner's uh, analysis to kind of really understand what's going on. And then the, you know, the, the effort and, um, and thought to be able to bring that in a digestible format, it's, it's very difficult. And so I, I want to thank you for that. And, you know, I really, um, you know, I look forward to how this plays out because I really believe it's an important message that kids need to hear. Where can people find your, your book and your, um, your programs? Right. So my website is modernhuntergatherers.com with an S everyone puts modern hunter gatherer, but there's an S there or my name, Joel Gould. Um, if you go to that website, I sell, I sell my vitamins. I sell blue blockers, which is important for circadian rhythms. And I sell things because if something isn't successful, no one's going to care about it. So obviously I have a lot of merchandising. Um, and go to that website and go to my, my dental website is, is Modern American Dentistry. And I do have a new feature that will be coming up that you can book a consultation with me to discuss your sleep. I have a YouTube channel, modernhuntergatherers.com. I have a lot of videos out there. I have three books that I'm waiting hoping to publish as soon as possible, but um, I'll self-publish. I've been in negotiation with some publishers, but as you know, you've got a great book out there. You know how hard it is to get a book done through a traditional publisher. So I'll probably be breaking up my books into different eBooks that'll be available for download or minimal cost because this information is overwhelming and I want to just keep it into bite-sized chunks 
I call it infotainment because you want to learn something, but you also don't want to be doing work. I don't want to be uh, at the end of my long, busy day. I don't want to be doing extra work. So Joel Gould, modernhuntergallers.com. And um, I still do my own Instagram. Um, Instagram is um, modern underscore under modern underscore hunter underscore gatherers. Um, I still respond to my audience and I love taking questions. And I'm at the stage of my life where I really like hearing the feedback from people. And a lot of people will contact me saying, I had all these weird symptoms and no doctor knew what was wrong with me. And I heard your podcast and it just clicked. So that's what I want to hear. I want to hear more people finding this out. So um, everyone, please share my information. That's why I made my ebook free. You won't find all the answers in the ebook, but you'll find a lot of really great information. Towards the end, I put a lot of um, guidelines, peer-reviewed studies, and different charts of different recommendations of vitamin D levels, how to calculate it and all that. So if you scroll to the end of the ebook, um, the last couple of pages are really more um, information that you can incorporate into your life immediately. And I really look forward to bringing this information out and making it as much fun as possible. Well, Dr. Gould, I can't underscore how important I think your work is and, and how this message has to go forward. So thank you again for sharing the time with us and really look forward to seeing how all this plays out. And, you know, I, I, I'm hopeful that this information can get out so that the next generation can really not experience these yeah. diseases as you've described them. Thank you, Dr. Gould, again. And I look forward to chatting to you soon. Fantastic. I always like to end this by saying the future is bright. Thank you. Absolutely agree. Thanks, Dr. Gould.